Praise God. Please take your Bibles and turn to the book of Revelation. We are in chapter 22, verse 15. Man, we are at the home stretch, but verse 15, we've been camping out a little bit on verse 15. And the reason we're camping out on verse 15 is when I got to Revelation chapter 9, it mentions various sins that the world refuses to repent of. It mentions a very similar list in Revelation chapter 22, I'm sorry, chapter 21, verse 8. Very similar list of what people refuse to repent of. Uh, at the end of chapter 21, it gets into a little bit more of that. And then it but I've said each time I get to one of those passages that we'll actually do a little bit of dissecting, dissecting what these specific uh, words mean, who they're referring to, because it's a vice list of those who will go to the lake of fire, those who will not enter into the holy city. And we want to make sure that we are not on that list. Amen? So when we go to Revelation 22, I said, when we get there, we'll spend more time on that list. And here we are. So when we go to Revelation 22, we read in verse 14, praise God, this is where you want to be, not in verse 15. You want to be in verse 14 in Revelation 22. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter the gates into the city. And the holy city we're talking about is New Jerusalem. And I let you know that in the holiest of holies, the holy place, the temple had the outer courts. You had the, uh, the holy place and it had the holy of holies, the innermost Sank, only the priest could go once a year to offer sacrifice because God's very presence was there. There was the Ark of the Covenant. If he went in separate days than that, he'd be struck dead. Boom. Now he'd go once a year, but it was a cube, the dimensions. It was a picture of New Jerusalem, which we've also seen. Is, it was a picture of which the dimensions are the same, much larger. It's a picture of heaven. And, but it's beautified. It's a new heaven and a new earth. It's a picture of New Jerusalem which comes down from heaven. So basically heaven comes to earth. And then we dwell with the Lord forever. But you're blessed if your robes are washed. If your robes have been washed in the blood of Christ. But look at verse 15. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers. We looked at the dogs, right? Is it saying, it's talking about Fido there? Saying Fido is going to go to the lake of fire or not going to enter the city? No. Okay. We looked at what the meaning of dogs is there. And I'm not going to get all in that now because if I start... Reviewing what we've talked about, I'll lose time on what I want to share with you. And sorcerers, pharmakeia, speaks of illicit drugs used as hallucinogens, drugs used to poison babies for abortion in the first century. I proved that last time. We're going to actually get more into that word as it relates to pharmakeia at another time because I haven't really done a whole teaching on that in years and years and years. Although I will say this, I just did a teaching on alcohol, which I really encourage you to check out. Last Wednesday, just a few days ago, uh, Jim Murphy, when I came in, he stopped me. And he said, hey, Joe, I just want to let you know that that message impacted a lot of people that talked to me afterwards, and it impacted their lives. And he was praising God for that. And I got some uh, texts to me of people that were so grateful for that. But I say that because I want you to be impacted by it. And I, what I try to let people know in that message is that uh, the Scriptures, there's a huge deception going on right now in the church because people think that they drink wine today. Oh, well, Jesus turned, you know, water into wine so we can get drunk, you know. And uh, no, Jesus wasn't getting anybody drunk. In fact, the script, he would have broken the moral law. He wouldn't have been able to go to cross for us because the Bible says, woe to those who get their neighbor drunk. So that's not what Jesus was doing at all, okay. And I pointed out that the wine today is fortified. It's made stronger often, Sometimes the biblical wine in those days, the way wine was traditionally made, it was as low as 7% alcohol, okay? And fortified wine, if you're talking about cognac even and so forth, you can get up to like 40% or more alcohol 
in a, a so-called wine, you know? Uh, so, and also I point out as well that like Timothy, he didn't want to drink any wine at all, but you had to put wine in your water. You get sick. That's why Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, drink, put, drink a little wine with your water, a little, little, because it would purify the water. So they didn't drink it for pleasure, like to get drunk, you know? Not that they didn't like the taste. It could be also make your water taste better. So I'm not saying there was no pleasure in it, but it was a necessity, okay? And uh, the Bible actually warns about strong drink, okay? Over and over again, I give those warnings. And scholars point out that strong drink was just straight up regular traditional wine. And that's why it warns not to look at the glass when it's red, meaning undiluted. And in Revelation chapter 14, guys, Revelation chapter 14, says very, very clearly uh, that when God pours out his wrath on the beast worshipers, it'll be on the unmixed wine of his wrath. Why does it say unmixed wine? Why did it just say wine of his wrath? Because when people saw the word oinos, they often thought of just regular mixed water with wine. So he qualifies it saying unmixed. That's why it says, it talks about those who linger long at mixed wine. So if you hang out a long time with water that's mixed with wine, you keep drinking it, you'll get drunk even with diluted Water. The Jews would dilute it three, four, five times or more. I quote all kinds of pagan sources in the first, second century. Homer, even before, you know, Iliad, you know, Homer's Iliad, where he talks about uh, how they all mixed their wine with water. It was a known thing. And then it says very specifically, uh, uh, the pagans, one of the, one of the uh, pagan leaders says, the pagans mixed their wine one ratio water, one ratio wine. Like that's a horrible thing. I was like, can you believe they mix it half and half? Well, here, we just take regular wine and we think it's fine, but the Bible calls it strong drink, okay? Well, I didn't mean to talk about this, but I put a little note there based on what Jimmy said to me coming in. Jimmy, you, you did this to me. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I'm saying this because I love you guys. I love you guys. And there's a lot of people that are in the name of Christ getting drunk. And the Bible says, be not deceived, drunk will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I know prof- millions of professing Christians out there, perhaps, are getting drunk and think they're going to heaven, but not if Revelation chapter 6 is the word of God, and it is. Don't be deceived, drunk will not inherit God's kingdom. And I don't want anybody to perish. Because, and I'm telling you right now, even what's so-called moderate drinking today, type in moderate drinking and diseases, okay? And just look at the studies. There's cancers and all kinds of diseases that are associated with just moderate drinking. Just not, just, you know, catching a buzz. They say, oh, wine's good because it's got this in it. It's good for you. Well, you can drink grape juice, okay? You know, you have to drink wine. But there's all kinds of bad things associated with wine. And uh, there's been warnings by, you know, it's, it's huge. And I say this, and I know I'm going I'm to ruffle some feathers, but guess what? I love you. Paul says, am I your enemy because I tell you the truth? You know, I want you to be warned. I want to encourage you. That, you, you know, there's a lot of dis- people getting diseases just because they think, and they think they're doing it being healthy. Be very, very careful. Okay, now. I'm done with that, uh, I think. <laughs> so we're in Revelation 22, 15, but we're on pharmacaea. Everybody's like, yeah, I don't do hallucinogens. You know, I don't smoke pot, which is, by the way, is a hallucinogen. I don't do meth. I don't do coke. But they're getting drunk. Christians, professing Christians, be very, very careful, you know. So in Revelation 22, 15, he says, and murderers. We covered that now. But I want to look at the last two and cover them in one message. The last two on the list are, and What? idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices lying. Idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices lying. What's it mean to commit idolatry? It means to put someone or something before God. The first commandment is, thou shalt have no other gods before me, amen? You're not to make any images of these gods, amen? 
The greatest commandment, Jesus says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with thy whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen? And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we, but you guys, I've done messages on idolatry off and on through the years, and I'm not going to do your typical message on idolatry because I want to focus on one specific form of idolatry that I think is the most pervasive right now and the most deceptive in the world, and it's very organized how the, wor- the church is being marshaled to accept this, okay? And, but, I want it, but I will say this. The Bible, a lot of people say, well, I don't bow down before these images. I don't, you know, birds and reptiles and animals. I don't bow down before these things. But the Bible says greed is idolatry in Ephesians 4 and Colossians chapter 3. Amen. The Bible says men will be lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. If you're like, man, I'm going to watch football and not go to church anymore because it's on Sunday and they conflict. Woo, you got a problem. I love football, man. I'm almost 60 years old and I still love to play tackle football if anybody will play with me. It's fun, you know. But I'm get, I get injured more now. So, like, man, I got a shoulder. I got to do some therapy on. And my back got messed up a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago. <laughs> I get older, man. It's tough. Uh, but hey, my heart's there. But you know what? My heart's football, Jesus. Football, Jesus, not even a contest. It should never be a contest, you know? So I always keep Jesus first, amen? So, uh, and it could be, you know, it's, it'd be hard. The Bible says men be lovers of selves, right? You put yourself before Jesus. I say sometimes some people shave their idol when they wake up in the morning, you know? You know, some people park their idols in their car, in their garage. That's their car. Don't put anything before Jesus. I say these things because we love you, you know? I want you to, idolaters are on the list of those who do not enter the holy city. But notice he says with this, and everyone who loves and practices lying. Okay? Who loves and practices lying. Now, the key word is practices there. I'm sure everybody's fallen short in their lives and they love it. That's the way their life is and they just lie. It's okay with them and and they get away with it. Well, guess what? I I thought it was interesting because a couple weeks ago, I did a, I showed you when it mentions sexual immorality in this text, right, with pharmakeia, right, and dogs, I showed you that they're unified for a reason. But I'm not going to get into why I went into that if you want to check that out. But here it's interesting that the last two on the list are coupled together, liars and idolaters. I thought that's interesting because go to Revelation 21.8. You see a very similar list. The list is in verse 8 of 21 of those who go to the lake of fire. But for the cowardly, that's a different, that's not on the other list, but it's those who renounce their faith, professing Christians who renounce their faith during times of persecution, especially when the time of the Antichrist happens. But for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers, most of those are on the other list. And then what? And idolaters and what? All liars. In case you're saying, well, I don't love lying and practice it all the time, but I'm just a liar still. But yeah, I don't love it. Well, it says all liars here. So you still need to repent. Amen. But notice idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is a second death. And in Revelation 14, it says that, when that in that place there's no rest day and night forever and ever, guys. That's serious stuff, amen? You'll never get out of the lake of fire. So you don't want to go there. But it's idolaters and all liars. Notice those two are brought together again. Why, you know why I believe that there's an emphasis of those two being put together? Because in the last days, there's going to be a huge lie. The Bible calls it the lie. The big, it's a big lie that people are going to believe. Do you know what that big lie is? 
You're going to have the answer, I believe, from Scripture before the service ends. You need to know what it is so you do not succumb to it, so you do not fall into it. And that, that, that lie has to do, I believe, with idolatry. Okay? In the book of Revelation, is there mass idolatry going on? Yeah, there is. That's a big problem in the book of Revelation. And that's why I believe it's emphasized in Revelation 21.8 and Revelation chapter 22, verse 15. Now, the Lord says in Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, that there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. And the second thing on that list is a lying tongue. God hates liars, okay? He doesn't just say he hates people who do things. A lot of times we say he hates the sinner, but he hates the sin, but he loves the sinner. There's a lot of, and we know he loves the sinner. He died for us all. He died for the world, amen? amen? But he also hates the sinner in a certain way, too. That means his, it's not our kind of hatred. It's a pure and holy wrath against those who do wicked and hurt others, okay? Because I can show you various scriptures that say that. It talks about several of those he hates here on this list. So can God love us and hate us at the same time? Yeah, he hates what we've become in, in, in rebellion to him. But he loves us so much, he died for us to save us from what we've become, you know? So it's interesting, what is the big lie? Go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And here Paul explicates a bit on what this lie is. And we're going to work our way through this a little bit, but you want to make sure because the whole world, for the most part, is going to be caught up in the big lie. Right now, the spirit of Antichrist is already at work, the Bible says. The Bible says the mystery of iniquity is already at work. Okay, Satan is already permitting these lies in the world, setting the world up for the ultimate liar of the Antichrist. Uh, well, the, the one that the ultimate liar, Satan, uses, the Antichrist. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. Verse 8. It speaks of the Antichrist. Then that lawless one, speaking of the Antichrist, will be revealed, whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth. And bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. That is the one who is coming in accord with the activity of Satan. With all power and signs and false wonders. Okay, Satan is going to be coming, or the Antichrist is coming under the power of Satan. With all power and signs and lying wonders. Counterfeit wonders. To, to deceive the masses. Verse 10. And with all deception of wickedness for those who perish. Because they did not receive the love of what? The truth, so as to be saved, for this reason, God will send upon them a what? Deluding influence, so that they will believe what is false. In order that they all may be judged, who did not believe the truth, but took pleasure in wickedness. Now it's interesting, so that they will believe what is, what? False. Does anybody have another translation of what is false? Instead of what is false, what do you have? We'll believe what? Well, believe what? Believe the lie. Okay? In fact, the NIV says, the coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the, uh, how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie. And there's a definite article before the word lie there, or falsehood. Uh, there's a definite article which we would translate, it's ho, or ho, but it's the lie, that they would believe the lie. The Christian Standard Bible reads, The coming of the lawless one is based on Satan's working with every kind of miracle, both signs and wonders, serving the lie. And then verse 11 says, For this reason God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie. So first, we have 
two things I want to look at in this text that I think bear really understanding. Um, first of all, we know there's going to be a lie, a huge lie, that the world's going to believe. They're going to fight for it at the expense of us, the Christians. There'll be a lot of bloodshed during that period of the tribulation. But there's two things I want to talk about. First, in what sense, since God, there, God, there's no, God is truth, amen? He doesn't lie. The Bible says God cannot lie. The Bible, you know, the Bible says the lie, uh, no lie is of the truth. So in what sense, because it says that God sends them a strong delusion in the King James, or a deluding influence here, that they may believe the lie. In what sense does God send a strong delusion, since God doesn't tempt anyone, and God does not lie to people? In what sense? We need to understand that. And then also, what is this big lie? And how can you make sure that you don't succumb to it? Because Satan's objective is not just the non-believer. He uses Revelation, or Matthew 24, 24, and 25. Jesus said, speaking of the last days before he came, comes back, there will be false Christ and false prophets that shall arise, he said, showing great signs and wonders, deceiving if possible, this is their objective, they're going to deceive if possible the very elect of God. And then in verse 25, he said, Behold, I've warned you in advance. Why would he warn us in advance if it wasn't possible? Well, their objective is to deceive us. That's their objective. Now, it's important to understand, who is the father of lies? Satan is. John 8, 44, Jesus says uh, to the Pharisees who, were trying to, who wanted to kill him, he said, you are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Now, it's interesting. Why is, how is God sending a strong influence, a deluding influence, even though it's Satan? It says he comes after, the Antichrist comes after the what? Working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and all the deceitfulness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they refuse to love the truth that they might be saved. If they had pleasure in wickedness, it says. That's why. But why is it, how does God send the strong delusion if Satan is the one at work, the Antichrist? How does that work? And it's important that we understand that. Uh, you have to understand that when the rebellion under Satan took place and all these fallen angels followed him, there was a lie that was perpetuated. What did Satan want to do? He wanted to be like the Most High God. Remember that? He deceived himself. Uh, Luke, good to see you, man. Praise God. Did you answer your dad's walkie-talkie? That's not like a walkie-talkie, bro. Uh, it was? Okay. Pretty cool sound. Um, he, Joe patrols us. He helps keep you safe, so be thankful. Amen. Got all kinds of guys around here. Anyway, uh, so it's interesting when you think about this is there's rules of engagement in the heavenlies. Do you catch that? There's rules of engagement in the heavenlies that God has sovereignly set up. And, and uh, we appreciate you, Joe, but can you turn that down a little bit? <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so what's interesting, guys, is this, is that you have to understand that after the rebellion took place, the first lie was Satan lied to himself. Isaiah chapter 14, I will be like the most high God. Ezekiel, he was the anointed cherub in the garden, Right? Stones of, amongst the stones of fire. And he was the most beautiful of God's angels as this anointed cherub. And it went to his head. And he didn't, wasn't content to be the worship leader. He wanted to be the one that was worshipped. And he said, I'll ascend my throne above the sides of the north. 
and I'll be like the most high God. And it must have been a pretty powerful deception because he deceived at least a third of the angels, more than a third of the angels. That's pretty heavy. And they're called fallen angels. They're called evil spirits. They're called demons. Some try to disassociate the fallen angel of Satan with the demons. I don't believe you can. You have to go extra biblical to do that. But biblically speaking, and I'm a biblicist, uh, they, they appear to be the same entities. And they followed Satan in his rebellion. And it's interesting because it gives you a hint of what's going on with the lie from the very beginning. And this is going to make sense to you by the end, I believe. So we have this going on, but guess what? Satan also, as we're going to get to in a moment, tried to deceive, and she did, or he did, Eve in Eden, right? Now what's interesting here is God could have just wiped out Satan, right? He could have just went like a fly. Boom, you're dead. He could have did that very easily. You're gone, Satan. But God allowed him to manifest this deception among the angelic realm, and now he allows the same deception to be perpetuated among humanity because God wants, I, it's a love theodicy. God wants people that will love him. He wants creatures that will love him. He's given us free moral agency. We have libertarian free will where we can choose this day, as the Bible says, whom you will serve. Amen? And we have no excuse if we reject the Lord. So God allows that. But guess what? Satan's deal was that, hey, you know, Humanity is just as wicked as I am. He wants to bring as many people down with him as possible. And if I'm allowed to tempt them, I'll show you that. Remember what he did with Job? Remember he sought permission? God said, have you considered my servant Job? And guess what? Satan came among the sons of God. And God said, have you considered my servant Job, that there's none like him, that he walks blamelessly on the earth, that he, that he fears me and that he hates evil? And Satan said, he'll curse you to your face if you take everything away that belongs to him. God gave him permission. Satan, you can go and do that. So even though God gives Satan permission, and, these, and he just gets waylaid, Job, for a while, then Satan comes back. He goes, he goes God, so you see how he still fears me? Doesn't curse me? You know, he he, he basically he's saying he loves me. And Satan says, yeah, skin for skin. Let me touch his body. Then he'll curse you. The Lord said, okay, you could do that. And you know what's interesting is God was trying to shore him up, amen? Now, Satan used all kinds of things. He gave him terrifying nightmares, terrifying visions. You know, he was on his bed, he says, and his hair stood on end, okay? And he says, why, God, are you tormenting me? He thought God was tormenting him. He wasn't. He was allowing Satan to do this, right? And God doesn't tempt anyone, the Bible says, amen? But God allows this to happen to us. And we can go through various attacks that are very, very strong. But we have to hold fast to our faith in the end, amen? Keep trusting the Lord. Now what's heavy about this is, you know what it says? When Job, you know, some will say, well, God had nothing to do with it. You know, God had a lot to do with it. God said Satan could do it, amen? And then it speaks in the book of Job as to what God did to, to, to uh, Job. But God didn't do it directly, but what? He, he allowed this influence to happen to him. God's sovereign. I'm telling you right now, it's in a very similar way that God sends this deluding influence. He allows Satan to deceive humanity. But you have to understand, this is not based on just willy-nilly, oh yeah, you know, you just, I, these people love me, but you know, Satan, go deceive them. No, it's not like that at all. You have to understand, guys, this is very important to understand. You have to understand that these Thessalonians are being told by the Apostle Paul that what's happening here is that those who are given over to this deception first reject the truth. Are you with me? They first hate the truth. They first want nothing to do with the Lord, okay? 
And we call this, you know, being given over to, for instance, a reprobate mind. We call it judicial hardening. For instance, Pharaoh, his heart was to be the, worshipped as God because they would worship Ra as the chief God, the sun God, right? And they'd worship Ra and they'd worship Pharaoh. And Pharaoh was like the, the personification of Ra and he wanted to be worshipped and he did not want to listen to Moses. He did not want to listen to, to Aaron and he wanted to lie. And that's how God hardened his heart. You know how he hardened his heart? He just kept doing miracles through Moses and Aaron, amen? Showing that he's the one true God. And Pharaoh got hard because he loved lies. He, and look at what it says right here. It's very, very clear in 2 Thessalonians, guys. Listen to this. Verse 10. You can look at, look at it with me because we're still there. And with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish, because, now look at this, because, why does God send them a strong delusion? Because they did not what? Receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. They rejected Christ. They didn't want to love the truth. For this reason, God will send them. That's the reason it says. God will send them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false or believe the lie or uh, will serve the lie. In order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth, there it is again, but took pleasure what? In wickedness. They're like, you know what? The truth is presented to them, but they're not. No, I love darkness more than light. I'm not going to turn to it. Now, they won't say it that way because they want to say in all kinds of sophisticated ways to justify the rebellion against God. So here we're seeing that God hands them over to judicial hardening of the heart through a deception that he allows to happen because they have already refused to love the truth and he simply confirms them in their lies. Now, God doesn't go and try to deceive them. God doesn't deceive anyone. He doesn't tempt anyone. But he allows Satan to deceive them because guess what? There are rules of engagement whereby God allows Satan to tempt us to see what side we're going to go on. Now, God already knows who's going to do what. He's all-knowing. Remember Satan uh, said, well, Jesus said to Peter, Satan has sought permission to what? Sift you like wheat. Jesus warned Peter, but I pray that your faith will not fail. And when you're reconverted, strengthen your brethren. So Satan sought permission from the Father in heaven, just like he did Job. So sometimes the Lord says, okay, go. But what, whose side is God on? He's on Job's side, amen. Whose side is Jesus on with Peter? Peter. He's, God's constantly warning Job in his word. Job knew God's word. God's word was already spoken to Job, which is a trip because it's before Scripture was written. But God was speaking to Job. The Lord Jesus was speaking to Peter, amen, saying, pray so you don't fall into temptation, amen. He didn't want, that's the Lord God saying, this is what you ought to do. Pray so you don't enter temptation, Peter, and the other disciples. So they had a choice to make whether or not they would pray, seek him. And, of course, the Lord knew that Peter would fall asleep and would fall into temptation. So we see this principle at work. It's very, very important to understand this. When somebody might say, when you're online, when you're witnessing somebody, hey, how come it says God sent a strong delusion? You have, to, you have to understand what's going on in the heavenlies, what's going on in the spiritual world, that God is not the one that deludes. It says it's, he comes after the work of Satan, the Antichrist. Satan is the one that gives the signs, lying wonders. God warns that these are lying wonders even ahead of time. He tells us, don't be deceived, amen? Don't be deceived over and over again. These are lying wonders. Don't fall for it. So that's God's heart, amen? Are you with me? But he's sovereign, so he allows this deluding influence and even sends it and says, okay, Satan, you can have at it. See who's all going to follow you. And I love it because it's really a trip when you read the book of Revelation. Revelation is the most radical book on theodicy in the Bible, my opinion. It's a book of theodicy, dealing with the problem of evil, showing how even God's judgments come. The Word of God says God's judgments come to the earth that the nations will learn righteousness. That's God's heart. 
But it shows even after all these judgments, they still did not repent. It shows the darkness of humanity and how wicked humanity is. And this deluding influence that God allows in his sovereignty is God's way of, guess what? Setting up these rules of engagement because Satan is accusing not just Job, he's accusing God of blessing Job even though he is just like us, basically. He would fall too if he was, went through, you know, whatever. And God says, no, I'm going to show you that I'm going to have a remnant of people that truly do love me for who I am. Take everything from Job and that he's still going to fear me. And he did. Amen? And God always has a remnant. But God uses these rules of engagement that he and his sovereignty has set up. In fact, it's very, very interesting, guys. We have a very, because there's going to be a deluding influence where all these demonic spirits go to the world and present the Antichrist as God. Now, do you know, this story is really, really crazy. Remember King Ahab? Anybody remember what his wife's name, the queen's name was? Jezebel. She really used really heavy black mascara, and she was a, called, she was a witch, and she hunted down the prophets of God. Remember, she chased, tried to chase down Elijah. Remember that? She's a wicked woman. Ahab was a picture of the Antichrist. She was a picture of the false prophet in the book of Revelation. It's kind of interesting. And uh, they're going to go to war with Syria. And they're all about idolatry. They hate the one true God, Yahweh, and the prophets of God. They're trying to kill them all. Remember, Elijah said, I'm the only one left. You know, the Lord says, hey, there's 7,000 men who have not bowed their knees to Baal. Elijah, don't freak out when you think you're all alone. You're not, okay? So it's interesting. Uh, they're trying to destroy all the prophets of God, the, of Yahweh. And they've turned the, their, their, their nation, the northern kingdom, to all these pagan gods, all these pagan idols to worship them. Just Satan is using them. But guess what? They're going to go to war, war with Syria. Now, Ahab knows he can't trust his prophets because he knows that there's a lot of false prophets that serve him. And they prophesy in the name of Yahweh, by the way, because that's the northern kingdom. They're supposed to be following Yahweh, but they're worshiping all these gods. Now, this gets really crazy. I find this really interesting. I don't know how you could be interested by this. By the, God, God's word is so heavy. Is, this is crazy because he's like, is there a prophet, Jehoshaphat, who's on the southern kingdom, wants to make an alliance, he wants him to make an alliance with him. And he's like, is there a true prophet in the midst that you have? And Ahab's like, yeah, there's one. It's Micaiah, but I don't like that guy because he always prophesies evil things about me, you know. And it's interesting. This is in 2 Chronicles 18, verse 7. It's, he says, Ahab says, There is still one man by whom we may acquire of the Lord, Yahweh, but I hate him because he never prophesies good concerning me, but always evil. It's one of the funniest lines in the Bible, I think, you know. It's just like, he, I hate that guy because he always tells the truth, you know. And last days, guess who's going to be hated by all the world? Christians, amen, because we speak the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So Zedekiah prophesies, I'm sorry, uh, Micaiah prophesies, and that's who you want to be like. You want to be like Micaiah, amen. You know, it's easy to be a false prophet, man. You want to speak the truth, amen. And Zedekiah, he leads a lot of the false prophets, and Zedek, and Micaiah says, if you're going to get trounced. You go against Syria, you're going to get your clock cleaned. Ahab, you're going to get defeated soundly. But Zedekiah takes two horns of iron that he made, these two horns, before the king. Takes this powerful picture and says, look, King Ahab, Jehoshaphat, guess what? 
God has shown me that you will use these to gore Syria and you'll destroy Syria. You're going to be victorious. Micaiah said, mm, that's not how it's going to go down. You're going to get defeated. Zedekiah goes up to Micaiah, bam, punches him in the face. Bam. They put Micaiah in jail, the true prophet. Now, this is crazy because think about this. What about all the other prophets? Well, look at what Micaiah says. Listen to this. This is in 1 Kings chapter 22, verse 19, if you want to check it out. 1 Kings chapter 22, verse 19. Micaiah said, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing by him on his right and on his left. The Lord said, who, now this is interesting, the Lord said, who will entice Ahab to go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said this while another said that. Then a spirit came forward, not Satan himself, but another demon apparently. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. The Lord said, how? And he said, I will go out and be a deceiving spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. Then he said, you are to entice him and also prevail. Go and do so. God knew that they would believe this lying spirit. Now, therefore, behold, the Lord has put a deceiving spirit in the mouth of all these, your prophets. And the Lord God, the Lord has proclaimed disaster against you. So Micaiah, Micaiah is saying, you're going to be destroyed. Now, this is heavy, man, because when you read what's going on with Peter, Satan sought permission to sift you like wheat, Peter. Jesus peels back the heavenlies. When the disciples went, they cast demons out of all kinds of people. Jesus peels back the heavenlies and says, I saw Satan falling like lightning from the sky. When the book of Job's going on, Job doesn't know what's going on. God peels back the heavenlies in that book and shows us where Satan seeks permission among the sons of God to try to destroy Job. Here, Micaiah, God gives him a vision of what happened in the heavenly realm. Amen? It's kind of a trip, isn't it? And Satan's and his demons say, hey, we can turn humanity against you. Lord God says, I know there will always be a remnant that will fear me and love me. And guess what? He says, what's your plan? One demon says, I'll do this. He says, okay, go do that. See if it works. That's not God's heart. We know what God's heart is? Through Micaiah. You catch that? That's his prophet. He's got one prophet, Micaiah, is, that's, that's speaking at that point. Micaiah's prophesying, you're gonna be, they're going to have disaster. But guess what? Ahab is already sold into a bill of lies, amen? And God knows, and God's just going to confirm the evilness of his heart by letting Satan, okay, yeah, you're going to get some people. In fact, that's what Jesus said. Jesus said, enter the narrow gate, right? For broad is the way that leads to destruction. Many go that way, but narrow is the gate and strays away. It leads to life and fewer are those who find it. God knows most people love lies. So it's interesting. God allows this demon spirit to go and deceive. Now, interesting. If you, if you just read the text, God sent forth a lying spirit, and that's all you read? You think, whoa, God has a lying spirit that he works with, and they just, they're, they're buddies and everything, and, and, and God's deceiving them. No. Satan and the fallen angels are against God. They hate God. Jesus said he's a father of lies. Are you with me? Okay. But guess what? When you talk, when you have a prosecuting attorney and you have a, 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 a defending attorney, right? The judge works with both of them, right? Well, in this way, God says, hey, have at it. But guess what? In the end, my, my plans will not be thwarted. And, my and my, his ultimate plan is to have a bride that loves him in the end. From Genesis to Revelation, that's God's plan. To have a bride that's tested and true. Amen? That's proven that, he, that she loves him. And that's the church. So there's all these deceptions going on. So it's interesting. Satan wanted to be worshipped. We talked about that. In fact, Satan in Revelation, or sorry, Matthew chapter 4, verse 10. 
He said to Jesus, it says in Luke chapter 4, which is interesting, he showed Jesus the kingdoms of this world. He took him on a high mountain, showed him the kingdoms of the world before television. It must have been something like that, though. Showed him the kingdoms of the world in a moment's time. According to Matthew 4.10 and Luke chapter 4, he said, bow down and worship me, Jesus. I'll give you all this. Now, Jesus came to die for us, amen? He came to win us to himself by paying for our sins, amen? And drawing us with cords of love, amen? And having his bride. And the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of Christ, it says. But Satan is saying, hey, you don't have to go to the cross. Now, we don't know all that Satan knew. But he's basically saying, what you've come for, you don't have to do it that way. You know, take the shortcut, bow down and worship me, and I'll give you all these kingdoms right now. What did Jesus say? He said, get behind me, Satan. It is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and serve him only. Amen? Amen. And praise God he said that. Amen? Now notice he says, thou shalt worship and serve the Lord God Almighty. Sometimes people think that worship means just praising God and, and lifting up your hands and singing praises. And that's one aspect of worship. But we call, we call it praise and worship. Praise is an aspect of worship. But thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and serve him only. Worship means to serve God. If you're a worshiper of God, that means you serve God. You don't just come to church on a Sunday morning and sit down and, and sing some songs and hear a sermon and then go live for yourself. Amen? Amen? Jesus said you can't serve two masters. You hate the one and love the other. You can't serve God and money. Amen? Paul said you can't eat at the table of the Lord and the table of demons. So let's make sure that we're serving God and we truly live for Jesus. Jesus says you can't be my disciple unless you take up your cross, deny yourself and follow me. Amen? We have to live for him. No one does it perfectly, but you can say, hey, this is the trajectory of my life. I love him. Guess why a lot of you are here? Hopefully all of you. He just said, I'm here on a Sunday morning because Jesus is first in my life. I'm growing. I still have some growing to do, but you know what? I love him, and that's why I'm parked here today, or that's why I'm listening uh, through the, the, the internet or through a, a podcast or, or, or whatever way you get touched by our ministry or through live stream. And praise God, we love you in our live stream audience. Praise God for our brothers and sisters there. But it's pretty heavy when you think about what's going on. It's really, really heavy is we have to truly serve the Lord in these last days, amen? Now, it's interesting because Satan then, but Satan before Jesus, he manifested this rebellion to Eve. Now, what was his self-lie? I will be like the Most High God. What was his lie to Eve? Well, yep, he told you shall not surely die, but he said you shall, that's part of it. And he said you shall be as what? And keep in mind what Joseph said, you shall not surely die. That's a big part of it, that he can give you life. But Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly. But he said, you shall be as who? God. Now check this out. Eve, just like Satan, is a creature. And part of this lie is that creatures can be God. Are you with me? And you could do what thou wilt. You could do your own will, Eve. You could partake of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Because you're not really going to die. Meaning you can worship nature, you can worship the creation, you can worship yourself, you can put yourself in God's place, and guess what? You won't die in the end, and there won't be punishment, and you can do your own thing. You can disobey God's word. And part of that lie was rejecting God's word. Satan said, hath God said. Hath God said. He questioned God's word. Now this is all very, very interesting. Because in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, there's a rejection of God's word. They refuse to love the truth. You get that? Right? We see that much. Satan's at work there as well. Uh, so the lie, a lot of it has to do with rejecting the conviction of the Holy Spirit. 
Rejecting the testimony of creation, as we'll see. Rejecting uh, the witness of your conscience. Rejecting the word of God. Rejecting the testimony of Jesus and his shed blood. Rejecting the two witnesses in the end times. Rejecting the angels that fly in the mid-heavens. Rejecting, 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 rejecting all these different ways that God speaks. In fact, the scriptures say in John 1.9 that Jesus enlightens the heart of everyone that comes into the world. It's rejecting the light of God. But we're going to get more insight onto what this big lie is. We're getting close. Go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. And guess what? When, you, when you're able to identify the big lie, guys, I'm telling you right now, your whole worldview, your perspective is enhanced radically. Then when you see all the social issues going on in the world, you're like, that fits into the big lie. You're going to say, that's part of the big lie. It's, there's lies, but all these lies are part and parcel of the big lie with regard to so many social issues that Christians are attacked on these days. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Now it's crazy because uh, when you go to Romans chapter 1, he says the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Right? The wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Right? In what way? And what's the direction of the wrath of God? Verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who what? What do they do? They suppress the truth. Do you see that again? Just like Eve suppressed the truth. Satan did, right? Just in 2 Thessalonians, they refused to love the truth. Amen? Here they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Verse 19. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. You know, God made it evident that he's God to the atheists. Makes it evident within them. But they have to suppress. The Greek word means to hold down. Sometimes I think of a jack-in-the-box of a scared kid that doesn't want Jack to pop out. They don't want God to pop out, so they hold him down because they don't want to be accountable to him, right? Verse 20. Verse 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without what? They are without excuse. Wow. Meaning they look at creation, and it's obvious there's a creator. Did you ever look at a painting and say, wow, that's amazing, but it was an accident? What a beautiful picture of this family, you know, this family on the, on, on the seashore feeding the seagulls or whatever it is. Oh, but it was an accident. No, every painter, every painting has a painter. You ever see a cool building? You say, that's a cool building, but it's an accident. No, every building has a builder. Amen. Well, the creation that we are in blows away any kind of painting, any kind of builder. It so transcends it all. In fact, Bill Gates said of DNA, Bill Gates Right? Microsoft founder Bill Gates said DNA is like a computer program, but far, far more advanced than any software we've ever created. Isn't that interesting? So advanced that Anthony Flew, Anthony Flew was the Richard Dawkins of his day. He died a few years ago. He was the top debater from Oxford for over 30 years against Christians, against theism, against the belief in God. But guess what? He wrote a book before he died fears before he died, called There Is a God. And he goes through the DNA evidence, says I can no longer reject God. There's too much evidence in DNA, which is really interesting because Richard Dawkins, he's the top atheist right now, right? Richard Dawkins, you might have seen him, very hates the God of the Bible, okay? Listen to what Richard Dawkins says about what's just in one cell of your body, the information that's in one cell of your body. Check this out. There's enough information capacity in a single, a single, just one, human cell to store the Encyclopedia Britannica, all 30 volumes of it, three or four times over. 
Just one cell of your body has enough written text code, and it's functional code, by the way, okay, of how tall you would be or this organ and how to build that organ. It's all information, okay? And he's saying that just one cell has enough information to fill three or four 30-set volumes. That's over 100 books, guys. Just one cell. Now, I want you to do me a favor. Multiply that over 100 volumes in one cell of information by 30 trillion cells that you have in your body. How many Encyclopedia Britannicas is that? Enough information to fill the Grand Canyon over and over and over and over and over again of just the information in your body, functional information that's written, that's coded, that is put out by this processor that spits out DNA. By the way, you need that processor to make DNA, amen? But guess what? You need the DNA code to make the processor. You can't just evolve it. You know, it's just ridiculous. By the way, is there any written language that just evolved? Do you see a bunch of information and say, oh, it just happened by chance? No. It takes a mind. That's scientifically provable. You need a mind to write information. I see a brother back there who works with computers who's shaking his head up and down. Amen, bro? Praise God. He's like vigorously going, that's right. <laughs> okay, a computer programmer. So you guys, uh, we're without excuse, it says in the Bible. Right? And it didn't just take intelligence. God took power. The universe is powerful, you guys. Amen? Now look at verse 21. For even though... They knew God. They did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to become wise, they what? They became fools. The Bible says, A fool has said in his heart, There is no God, Psalm 14. And exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God. Check, check this out. They exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of what? Corruptible man and birds. So they started making images of birds and, and man. So they made these, these god men that we, they worshipped. And they made, reps, they made birds like Horus or the falcon Horus, which was one of the Egyptian gods. And four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So what do they do? They worship the creature rather than the creator. Notice what he says right here in verse 25. For they exchanged the truth of God for what? A lie. The, King the new King James says they exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Guess what the lie is? Worshiping the creature as God, putting the creature before the creator. You may not even consciously do that, but if you put yourself before God or you put others before God, you are part of the lie. Are you with me? And guess what happens? Well, they put the creation before God. Right now, we have the worship, basically climate, the climate change the crowd, that that's the main thing on the agenda. And they ram it down your throat, and in California, they're talking about everybody's got to go to, uh, you know, get away from their gas stoves and everything, and we have to all go. I see John. You just put your head down, John. That's, you love the barbecue, bro. Okay. <laughs> Amen. He's giving me the love sign, not the, not the devil horn sign. Okay. Uh, those guys that live barbecue, it's over, man. Got to go to, they, a lot of them wanted to be done with barbecue and want to be done with your, your stoves just to go electric, everybody. <sighs> wow. It's, it's, a, it's a deception, right? It's a religion. The climate, the green, it's a green religion. 
It's like they have their own priests, their own prophets, or false prophets. By the way, you know how many prophets these spirits worked in the days of Micaiah? 400 false prophets helped uh, Zedekiah and prophesied that there would be victory over Syria. Guess what happened? They got their clocks clean. In fact, Ahab was shot with an arrow. He tried to dress like a civilian because he was worried about Micaiah's prophecy coming true. So he tried to hide who he was. Arrow went through his armor, pierced in between two pieces of armor, and he went on the side of the road and died. God's truth prevails. 400 false prophets said, you'll have victory. Guess what? In the climate church, the climate religion, they have their own prophets. They have their own priests. They have their own doomsday. They have their own salvation. You know? And it's interesting. They worship Mother Earth. In fact, Wicca is the fastest growing, it's been reported to be by MTV, the fastest growing religion among young people. Witchcraft. It was started by Gerald Gardner, a member of Crowley's OTO. Okay? Order of the Temple Orient. He's the one who started it with Crowley's help. Because guess what? A lot of people are going to follow Crowley's Satanism. Well, let's start Wicca, a kinder, gentler form of occultism. But it's the same thing because the Wiccan read. You know what the Wiccans say? Do what thou wilt. They just have a kinder version. Do what thou wilt, but harm ye none. Don't harm anyone, but do what thou wilt. By the way, Jonathan, show, they worshipped Mother Goddess, and they worshipped the Horn God. Here's a depiction of the Horn God. Uh, if you could have the, turn the lights down a bit. Thanks, bro. What is that? That's a sculpture of the Horn God in Wicca. Who's that? What is that? What kind of head is that? It's a goat head, man. A lot of them worship the goat of Mendes, or they use that as a symbol. The Baphomet. Let's go to the Baphomet, which was drawn by, the next slide is the Baphomet. This was from Eliphaz Levi, used, by the way, by Alistair Crowley, another Satanist, the Baphomet. Okay, an androgynous creature between male and female, okay, with horns and everything else. You can click that off, but it's a depiction of Satan, okay? And by the way, I didn't just pull up the horn god. I gave that to Jonathan. That's right from the Wikipedia Wicca page of, one of, the, of a sculpture of their horn god, and they worship the mother, mother goddess. But you guys, it's not just these fringe groups because Wicca's not really fringe anymore. Millions of gals have been influenced by TV shows and guys that promote Wicca all over the place, on the, in the entertainment world and the worship of the mother goddess. And also they worship the horn god, which is really a depiction of Satan, even though they're not told that. By the way, Al Gore, former Vice President Al Gore, barely lost to Bush. Remember the runoff because of the hanging chads? Uh, John Kerry. These guys are like, uh, remember OKC or Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and, and Beta O'Rourke, who almost, the, that's a congresswoman, the, the Cortez and Beta O'Rourke uh, almost became governor in Texas. I mean, they prophesy about, you know, uh, these guys. It's crazy. OKC, the congresswoman, she said the world is going to end, and she said this in 2019, the world is going to end in 12 years if we don't address climate change. Really? So that would be 2030 from then? Hmm, 2031? So 2031. O'Rourke said this is our final chance, same year. The scientists are absolutely unanimous on this. We have no more than 12 years to take incredibly bold action on this crisis. Woo, it gave us 12 years the same year. It's 2031. They're prophets now. By the way, what a lie. The, the scientists are unanimous on this. Are the scientists unanimous on climate change? Saying in 12 years the world's going to end? No. It's just lies, 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 lies. It's just crazy. Uh, former President John Kerry, he just said this. How many saw John Kerry's weird, spooky speech, right? You know, speaking at Davos, you know, the World Economic Forum, which is put on by Carl Schaub. We did a, a podcast, Chad and I, on the Great Reset, where they want to reset the whole world and use not only, you know, the COVID to do it, but now using, they've been using climate change for some time. U.S. Climate Envoy, John Kerry, is being, he's being slammed in his speech. He says, quote, 
Now, I'm going to quote John Kerry, former vice president. Our environment for the environmentalists when we send him out to the UN or wherever, right? Kerry says, when you stop and think about it, it's pretty extraordinary that we, a select group of human beings, because of whatever touched us at some point in our lives, are able to sit in a room and come together and actually talk about saving the planet. We're a select group that have been appointed in some strange way to save the planet. Yeah, the same thing that Micaiah was talking about. You know, you guys are being used by demonic entities. He says it's so, it's, he says it's almost extraterrestrial to think about it, saving the planet. If you say that to most people, most people, they'll think that you're just a crazy tree-hugging and lefty liberal. No, I don't think it's just that. I don't think you're just a lefty liberal that hugs trees. I think it's satanic. When you're saying that you're the saviors of the world, it's a false religious system, guys. And it's not just wicked. The whole world's being programmed for this, okay? President Al Gore in 2023, said every night on the TV news, 2023, just when the, it became 2023, Al Gore said every night on the TV news is like a nature hike through the book of Revelation. Well, unfortunately, he twists the book of Revelation. His book, Al Gore's book, called Earth in the Balance, okay? In Earth in the Balance, he says there's a spiritual sense of our place in nature that predates Native American cultures increasingly that can be traced to the origins of human civilization. Much of the world has, was based on the worship of a single earth goddess. That's what he says. Much of the world was based on the work, worship of a single earth goddess who was assumed to be the fount of all life, who radiated harmony among all living things. Much of the evidence for this extensive, is extensive, uh, uh, and this, pri uh, this primitive religion comes in many of the thousands of artifacts uh, uncovered in ceremonial sites. These sites are so widespread that they seem to confirm the notion that a goddess religion was ubiquitous through much of the world until the antecedents of today's religions, most of which still are distinctly masculine uh, in their orientation, swept out of India and the Near East, almost obliterating belief in the goddess. The last vestige of organized goddess worship was eliminated by Christianity. Mm. As the Christians are the villains. villains. Uh, I read a whole article, and I'm going to skip a couple pages of this because I was going to quote from an article I wrote. You could type in Joe Schimmel, Good Fight Ministries, Climate Change, or World Net Daily, uh, Joe Schimmel, World Net Daily, because I wrote an exclusive article for them where I quote one leader after another, okay? I, I've never shared these quotes with you in a service but because it's an exclusive article I wrote for them, but you can find it online. I quote one leader after another saying, even if we're using dishonest data, if we can bring the world together under world governance or new world order, basically what they're saying, it's worth it. I quote, they, they say, they, over and over again, they mention being dishonest, whatever it takes with the data as far as climate change goes. It's a ruse. A lot of it's a deception. I'm not saying there's not problems in, uh, in the world. As Christians, we're the ones that are, they hate that God's given us dominion over the earth as, and that uh, as believers that we're to be caretakers of the earth. But we're not to worship the earth. We think it's horrible that people would spill nuclear waste, amen, and bury it. Stuff like that's wicked and those people should be held accountable, amen. But it's being turned into a religion where you worship the creation rather than the creator. And I had several quotes for you, for, for you guys on that. But I want to get back to Romans 1 briefly instead. Because in Romans 1, look what it says in verse 24. Therefore God gave them what? Over in the lust of their hearts to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. Look at verse 26. For this reason God gave them over to degrading passions. That's, remember I'm saying that if you love lies, God will give you over to those lies. and He'll confirm you in those lies. For their women exchanged the natural function of that which is unnatural. 
In the same way, the men abandon the natural function of the women and burn in their desire toward one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. Verse 28. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are improper. You guys, the LGP, LGBTQT movement is a result of inhumanity, of rejecting God and his authority, suppressing the truth, and wanting to be our own gods. Oh, you know what? My little boy, oh, he's like he's playing with dolls. I'm going to start giving him shots, cut his thing off, and make him a, a girl. You're God now. You can do those things. You don't have to fear God. Or my little girl, oh, wow, she's playing with the boys. Oh, I, I think it would be cool if I put her up there, you know, gave her a boy's haircut and say, yeah, my boy wants my little, and I'll be a star in social media and all my liberal friends will love me, you know. There's so many kids that are being twisted right now because we're playing God. And the whole, what I'm saying is when you, your, your worldview and you understand what the big lie is, that we are God and rejecting the one true God, you destroy everything, man. By the way, the suicide rate among the transgender movement is the highest in the world right now among any group of people because you twist people from what God intended them to be, you know? By the way, I know that lie is worship of creatures as God, ultimately the Antichrist, because we know in 2 Thessalonians 2 when it talks about they refuse to love the truth, therefore God gave them a deluding influence that they would believe the lie. You go up a few verses, it says the Antichrist will sit in the temple of God showing himself that he is what? God, that's the lie. That the most wicked person on the planet that represents Satan is actually the one to worship. And he becomes the epitome of how humanity could realize their supposed divinity. That's the lie. And everything right now, killing babies because we have the right to. We're God. We don't have to obey God. Or turning your kid into a different sex, which you can't actually do, because we're God is all part and parcel of the big lie. Are you with me? Go to Matthew chapter 13. I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 13. Here we see the lie again. Revelation chapter 13. Now it's honed out a little bit so we can understand it better. When you get to Revelation chapter 13, I want you to go to uh, verse 13. Revelation 13, 13. Revelation 13, 13. It speaks of the false prophet who gets people to worship the beast and worship the Antichrist in the end times. And it says he performs great signs. He performs great signs. Remember those lying signs and wonders that Satan brings? He performs great signs so that he, may, so that he even makes fire come down out of heaven to the earth in the presence of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which he was given, uh, were given him to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image of the beast who had the wound of the sword and who has come to life. And it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast to, so that even the image would, of the beast would even speak and cause as many as do not worship the, uh, worship the image of the beast to be what? Killed. Wow. So this beast, right, and the false prophet working with him, the false prophet would instruct people to make an image of the beast and the image of the beast would instruct people to worship the beast by taking his number. This is crazy. Back then, it made no sense. But guess what they're seeking to do today? The elites, okay? Yuval Harari, he's like the main guy that's in the ear of Karl Schwab, who runs the U a World Economic Forum over in Switzerland, where all these elites go about how they're going to run the world and use things to basically bring us together as one under world governance in the new world order. The, he's the main guy that has Karl Schwab's name. 
uh, ear. You know what he teaches? He says, Jesus, in his, as the Son of God, the resurrection, I've seen these video clips of him. He says, that's fake news. You know what? He says, guess what? We are acquiring the, the, the powers of divinity where we are becoming gods. We can upload people's consciousness up into, he's an Israeli professor at the Hebrew University there, because we can upload people's consciousness into an Oort cloud, and we can have eternal life. So guess what? Right now, they're pushing transhumanism, okay, where humans can meld with machines, and they, we can have eternal life. And the Bible says in the book of Revelation, they're going to say of the Antichrist, who can make war with him? And they're going to see this image of the beast that's built in his image. And this is what Satan's doing. He goes, don't follow God and be in his image and his, his laws and his righteousness, his morality. Guess what? Take the mark of my in fact, by the way, the same guy, Yuval Harari, he says right now, he says this surveillance is great. COVID allowed us to get surveillance on people and people to be open to more and more surveillance. He goes, but eventually there's going to be surveillance under their skin where we can see everything that's going on and surveil people. And we realize our divinity. And that's in the next verses, verse 16 through 18, that the Antichrist, or he causes all the small, the great, the free and the bond, right? The rich and the poor to be given a mark either on the right hand or the forehead and that no one can buy or sell unless he takes the mark of the beast, the name of the beast or the number of his name. That's heavy stuff, guys. And he's talking about how we're going to have surveil them from underneath their skin. The Bible talks about the coming mark of the beast. He's talking about how we're going to have eternal life through transhumanism, guys. And we're reading in Revelation 13 that there'll be an image of the beast. And guess what? The beast is going to be the prototype of what we can be, humanity. We can be our own gods. He's above everything. And he blasphemes, it says, the God in heaven. This is the big lie. And when you see abortion, when you see LGBTQT, when you see all this stuff going on, that's all part and parcel of the big lie that we are God. Are you with me? Amen. It's very, very spiritual. And if you just look at it from a political standpoint and think, oh, I'm going to snuff this out or that out, you're missing the big picture. Amen? Man, I'm just going to show you a few slides and then we're going to, we're going to pray uh, because we've covered so much ground. And, uh, and I, just, I do want to let you know, though, it's, it's a deception also in the church. A lot of the Christian church is going to be deceived. You know why? Because Satan targets the church. The first warnings Jesus gives in the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24, see to it that no one deceives you. Beware of false Christ and false prophets. He warns about deception over and over and over again. And you know what? Rick, Bor Rick Warren goes to Davos. He goes to the World Economic Forum. He says, I'm a member of the Council of Foreign Relations. And he, I, I just saw a speech that he gave a while back, and I, a video of it. He's saying, hey, I'm telling everybody, it can't just be uniting world and business. You need to unite with religion. You need to unite with us Christians and the Muslims and the Buddhists, the Amens and the rabbis. And we can use the churches because you'll have hundreds of millions of free volunteers to bring forth this world governance uh, at these churches. You could use our churches to, to, to pull this off because it's like a stool. If you only have two legs in a stool, it's going to fall. But guess what? You have business. You have government coming together. But you need the church and these other religions. You need religion. And then we're going to bring this world, this world peace. And It's a lie, you guys. It's part of the lie. That's not what the Bible says about the future. The Bible says that's part of the lie. Amen? Oh, by the way, and I'm just going to end with this because right now there's going to be a huge Super Bowl uh, uh, party. And, I mean, Rihanna is going to do the Super Bowl. And I'm going to show you a few things real quick because we're on idolatry. Uh, we'll start showing you a few slides. If we could take, turn the lights down and just put them up in order one at a time. Is, uh, right here we see Anton LaVey. That's a young Anton when he had hair doing the eye in the triangle, the eye of horse, right? Uh, Crowley's group does that too. That's been using Satanism for years. But guess what? Next slide. Here we see in the next slide, we see, uh, we did one Beyonce. See the Baphomet, the face on that motorcycle? 
She also has a baphomet ring. We show that in our video on Beyonce. And her husband, Jay-Z. Next slide. Jay-Z, what do you see on Jay-Z's hoodie? Do what thou wilt from Alester Crowley. He's the top rapper of all time. Next slide. And then we see Jay-Z, of course, the eye and the triangle. They use that symbol. That comes out of Satanism, folks. Especially when you have do what thou wilt on your hoodie. Okay, and he sings the song, Lucifer, right? Lucifer, son of the morning, he sinned with a righteous cause. He praises Lucifer in his singing. Uh, there's Jay-Z again. Next slide. Right here we see Horace on somebody's ankle. And this gal that talks about Horace being on her ankle, she's on Oprah Winfrey, and Oprah and she talks about, yeah, that Horace. Horace was the god of the sky. Like Ra was the sun god, but Horus encompassed the whole heavens. And Horus, the eye was, the sun was the right eye, the moon was his left eye going through the sky, and it was a false god. And guess what God did with Horus? The ninth plague, man, he blotted out the sky, the light, because he said, no, don't worship the sun and the moon. Don't worship Horus. Don't worship Ra, which was the top god, and sometimes Ra is put with Horus. He goes, I'm God. I created these things. And it was darkness among the Egyptians that could be felt because they were worshiping Horus. In an Oprah Winfrey interview, this gal says, guess what? This represents the Egyptian god, the falcon god, the hawk god. By the way, that was Crowley's symbol for the New Age. The third eon was called the New Eon of Crowley. Okay? Jay-Z sings. He raps with Kanye West, you know, in a song called Primetime that we're bringing in the New Eon. Okay? Primetime. The, the third eon, he calls it. That's what Crowley called it. Okay? And Crowley said, with Mahawk's head, or Falcon said, with Mahawk's head, I peck out the eyes of Jesus as he hangs upon the cross. What is Horace doing on her ankle? She tells Oprah Winfrey, this represents the Egyptian god of the sky. This is my god. This is God to me. Well, who is this? This is Rihanna, okay, doing the halftime show. I'm thinking she's going to have a surprise guest. It's going to be Eminem, but I think it might be Jay-Z. They might do Run This Town. And you watch the video for Run This Town. She's, she's doing the sign of Lucifer and stuff, and she's all decked out. In the, and she's talking about how they're going to run the world, basically. That, that's what that's about. Uh, next slide. I don't know if we have another one. Okay, that's Rihanna doing the Eye in the Triangle. Eye horse. Next slide. I think that's it. Okay. Did I give you enough to think about today? How do you apply this to your lives? Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Refuse to love little lies because little lies lead to bigger lies. And if you believe little lies, eventually you'll be confirmed in bigger lies. He that's faithful in little will be faithful in much. He that's unfaithful in little will be unfaithful in much. Amen. How do I make sure I don't love lies? Love Jesus more. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Love his word more. Thy word is truth. Amen. By the way, I have a whole video coming out on this today, later today or tomorrow. We're almost done with it. I've got to watch the Super Bowl, okay, halftime show, which I don't even want to watch. I usually try to tune it out, but I know she's big, and because we already did our video, and I'm going to see what she's going to have Jay-Z on there, if there's going to be any kind of occult symbolism, then I'm going to have to leave wherever I'm watching it at, which is going to be my house, and then I'm going to have to meet with Josh, and we're going to go up and finish, uh, finish the, uh, the, the video because we have to have a little intro to it. But anyway, guys, pray for that, okay? Literally, as Chad said, there were over 100 million views I didn't know we'd ever get a million views on something. We had over 100 million views on our Beyonce video. A ton of people got saved from that. We meet people when we go places that got saved from that video like we just did at the Med's Retreat. Okay? We're hoping that this one also has a great impact and many people come to Christ because we get the gospel out. So pray for that. Amen? But don't get caught up in the world and get all excited about the lost world. Amen? Stick to Jesus. Don't believe lies. Love the truth. God at one point says of his people of God astray, my people love lies. Don't love lies. In the last days it says they'll want people to tickle their ears, teachers, and tell them what they want to hear. Don't be like that. Always stick to the truth. Amen? Just love Jesus, and, and God will work everything out. Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and he'll add everything to you. Amen? Amen. Praise God. I'm sorry. I went kind of fast today. Were you able to still follow me? Okay, if you weren't, come up. I'll tell you everything I just said.
Not really. Okay. Let's pass out the cup and the bread.